All right, here we are in the second week of our, of our series called Wrecked, uh, and we're discovering the Father's heart for all people. And really, as you and I encounter Jesus and experience his unconditional love of the Father, when we experience that tangible, liquid love that God loves to pour out on you, we can't help but be wrecked by his love. Okay, and then as we personally experience that, we know what it means to embrace his love, and we love on other people. You know, that same love of the Father that has wrecked you is that same love the Father has for everybody, everyone. And so what do we do with that? What do we do with that? And by, by the way, if, if you haven't been wrecked, wrecked by the Father's love, if you've never experienced that, that liquid love that he pours out on his people, oh my goodness, that's just not good. Okay, today you've got to be wrecked. You're going to be wrecked by his love. You're going to be. It's actually quite simple. You just say, Father, wreck me. Wreck me. Okay, wreck me with your love right now. As Nate's preaching, wreck me. Well, that's a dangerous ask. Because when he wrecks you, you will never turn back. Ever. Actually, I'm praying for you right now. Father, I declare an outpouring of your love on all your people. Every single one in this building, upstairs and downstairs. I speak to the spirit of doubt and I say, get out of here. And I declare love encounters with you, Father, and your people right now. Wreck us, Lord. Wreck me and wreck your people with your love this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo, this is awesome. Okay, so we're in the middle of this series, like I've already mentioned, embracing the Father's heart for all people. And last week, Pastor Nick did a great job, and, and one of the things he mentioned was that Jesus was the activity of the Father's heart. I, I love that. In other words, if you and I want to experience this love for ourselves and embrace the love of the Father, we need to know Jesus. Because he is the exact representation of the Father's love. You want to know the love of the Father? You learn and receive the love of Jesus. See, everything we see in Jesus uh, doing in the Gospels is exactly what's happening in the heart of the Father. Okay, if we want to know, if we want to know God's heartbeat for humanity, we need to experience Jesus. Jesus came and displayed the heart of the Father and constantly, constantly talked about him and pointed people back to him. He would constantly say things and do things that demonstrated how the Father sees them and loves them. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that who, whoever believes in him would not perish, would have everlasting life. In verse 17, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. No, but to save the world to save the world through him, through Jesus. See, in everything that Jesus did, whether he, whether he healed people, whether he cast out demons, whether he raised people from the dead, or whether through his endless miracles, he was constantly expressing the Father's heart to people, constantly, and pursuing them to be in relationship with the Father. And perhaps one of the most audacious and, and radical expressions of the Father's love that, that Jesus put on full display apart from the cross 
is this passage that we're going to look at here right now. So turn with me to Luke chapter 5. It'll be on the screen for you. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27, says this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? What's going on here? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, guys, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What's, what's going on here? What's happening? So Jesus had just blown the minds of so many people in the passage beforehand by forgiving the sins and, and physically healing a paralytic man. And now we see him teaching on the banks of the lake. You can cross-reference Mark 2 if you like. See, little did the crowd know that Jesus was once again going to do something that blows the socks off of everybody who's following him, namely his disciples, Peter and James and John and Andrew. And as Jesus continued along, seizing the opportunity to teach those following him, he suddenly stopped, as he most often did when he was about to do something amazing. And those walking ahead of him turned around and said, okay, what's Jesus doing now? You know, the people in the crowd were probably wondering, okay, well, maybe he's stopping to take a rest. But Jesus stopped for a specific purpose. See, the crowd knew where they were. Capernaum was like a major intersection of of trade routes where they collected tolls and tariffs and taxes. So when Jesus stopped, the crowd saw that they stopped at one of these tax booths, these custom tax collector booths. You know, and they can all hear that familiar sound of the coins changing in the purse and on the the table. They can hear those those noises and coins. And and when they see Jesus getting in line seemingly to have a conversation with this tax collector, they're wondering, what's what's going on? And you can almost hear some of them murmuring under their voices in the crowd. This rabbi is going to say something to that crook. Let's watch this. Okay, let's watch and see how Jesus rebukes that guy. What a traitor. What a thief. I'm sure Jesus has something to say to him. Look at that guy stealing from us yet again. Ah, what a jerk. Jesus, get him. Get him. So they continue watching as as Jesus approaches this man named Levi and listen as Jesus just looks at him and says, follow me. Levi gets up, leaves his post, and takes his place in the crowd with with the rest of them. And then we read in the sequel, a few verses later, where Levi throws a party for Jesus and all of his friends. And they're there hanging out and having fun and drinking and eating and having a good time. And it seems to stir up some kind of controversy with the Pharisees and teachers of the law. And they begin asking questions and saying, why is Jesus partying with such horrible people? What's going on? And then the scene ends with Jesus saying something about sick people who need a doctor. What's actually happening here? What's going on? 
I think it would be helpful for, for us if, if I did a little character analysis on, on tax, this tax collector, uh, Levi, may help us a little bit here to understand what's happening. So let me paint you that picture. So basically, a tax collector was synonymous with scum of the earth. Scum of the earth. Okay, they were outcasts of society. Now, this may be difficult for us to understand, <clears throat> uh, but in the time of Jesus, people hated the CRA. Okay? They hated the CRA. They did not like tax collectors. I know we all do, okay? But back then they didn't. Okay? They weren't very popular. They just weren't. Back then, the Roman, Romans collected taxes from, from the nations in their empire. Uh, and the government gave each district, such as Capernaum, a fixed tax figure. And then they would have the right to collect those taxes. And the tax collector was allowed to keep anything that had been collected over and above that fixed figure. Here's the problem. Most of the ordinary Jewish people were not given a record of the taxes that they owed the government. So you and I are given records each year in Canada saying what we owe and hopefully what our rebate will be, yay to rebates, okay? But the Jewish community weren't given any reports. And so there was great potential for the tax collector to tell them a figure that was extortionate over the amount that was actually due. Are you guys following me? Okay, so on top of that, they charged duty on everything, everything, Okay, there were separate taxes for using roads. There were taxes for docking in the harbors. There were taxes, there was sales tax on certain items sold, as well as import and export duties. They even had to pay taxes on the carts that they were pushing or pulling, something like a big wheelbarrow. So the tax collector would stop you and charge you anything that he wanted, anything. He would look at what you're carrying in your, in your cart or what you're pulling. Okay, you got two pigs and an oxen, I'm going to charge you that. He would charge whatever he wanted. And if you couldn't pay, get this, he would lend you the money, but then charge you a ridiculous amount of interest to get the money back. So this Jewish tax collector, as they were, was in essence siding with the enemy, the, the Roman government, and was seen as oppressing his own people for gaining wealth. They were despised and corrupt and, and very dishonest people. And even more than that, in the eyes of the community, this disgrace and, and dishonesty extended to your whole family. And so the likelihood was that if, if you were a tax collector, you know, brother, brother Dave was a tax collector, your family hated you as well because of the shame that you brought upon the family. And in the eyes of the religious community, they were defiled. Okay, they were corrupt. Uh, in this religion, they were regarded as ceremonially unclean because of the constant contact with Gentile sinners and because they collected taxes on the Sabbath. And the rabbis taught that you should never talk with, you should never walk with or hang out with, and above all, you never eat with a tax collector, ever. Bad dudes, okay? These guys were traitors. They were dishonest and hated and, and despised, disloyal and corrupt. Nobody loved these guys. Nobody. And the only community they had was their shared company with other tax collectors. Levi was a tax collector. Man, can you imagine the soul care that guy would have needed? It's unbelievable. Okay, so let's go back to the scene here where Jesus stops at the tax collector's booth. 
Now you and I can understand a little bit more of what was happening here and get a sense as to why the crowd was, was grumbling and complaining, many of whom were angry and bitter and, and, and hating this man Jesus was about to talk to and hoping that, that Jesus would condemn him and rebuke him and tell him, pay back everybody that you stole from. But instead, Jesus stops and he looks at Levi. And I wonder what Levi's actually thinking here. What do you think Levi's thinking? You know, he'd heard, certainly heard about Jesus. You know, the guy who was, who was a new preacher on the street, he's casting out demons and raising people from the dead and, and, and teaching with authority. Everyone had heard about Jesus. Everybody. And now he finds himself face to face with this Jesus guy. With his eyes locked in on him, what was Matthew thinking? You know, was he thinking, oh, Jesus is going to condemn me? Was he, was he going to embarrass me and call me names like the rabbis and the other teachers of the law had called me? Now, I probably cheated this Jesus guy too. Or, or am I going to feel ashamed by what he's about to say to me in front of all these people? Was he going to call me guilty for the way I've been living? See, everybody's looking at me and I know they're angry. I know they hate me. Even his disciples are looking at me in disgust. What's he going to say? But in that moment, as Levi was staring face to face with his creator, there was no condemnation. There was no accusation. There was no name calling. There was no shame calling or telling him that he was corrupt or that he needed to clean himself up. No, none of that. Instead, he looked deep into his eyes with compassion, full of grace, and said, follow me. Wait, what? Follow you? Levi, you too. You follow me. What a shock to the crowd. What a letdown. Really, what a letdown. What a shock to his disciples. Are you kidding me, Jesus? This guy too? He's dirt. This guy's dirt. He's corrupt. He's stolen from us. He doesn't deserve any of that. Nothing. Why does he get to follow you too? See, they wanted revenge. They wanted justice. They, they wanted what Levi deserved. Does any of that sound familiar to you? But Jesus saw potential in Levi. Jesus saw a man broken and aching inside his soul. He saw a man who was lonely and abandoned and alienated and longing for more in his life. He saw a man for who he really was, created in the image of his father. And he loved him and had compassion on him. And Jesus had just heard the father say, I'm presuming, Son, show this tax collector that I love him too. So in that moment, Levi had a big decision to make. A big decision. See, Jesus had just asked him a life-changing question that would change his destiny forever. What did that really mean? What was he going to do? Levi knew what that meant. 
See, basically it meant that in that moment, he had to decide if he was going to leave his whole life behind and potentially face the rejection of all his relationships, all his contacts. It meant leaving his comfortable lifestyle. It meant leaving a comfortable way of living for himself on his time, his schedule. It meant leaving his old habits behind, his old ways of thinking and speaking. It meant breaking his work relationship with his boss. It meant that he would now be a traitor to the only friends he had left. It meant no turning back. and meant for him that he left everything behind. Everything. See, this was different. This was different than, than just leaving his fishing boats. Okay, Out of all the disciples, I think Levi gave up the most and literally left everything behind to follow Jesus. See, Peter, Andrew, James, and John could, could easily go fishing again and pick it up as a habit or as a hobby. And they did, actually. After Jesus died, before he appeared to them, John 20, 21, they went fishing. But as William Barclay says, Matthew had to burn his boats completely. With one action, in one moment of time, by one swift decision, he had to put himself out of his job forever. For having left his tax collector's booth, he would never get it back again. And he potentially cut off his relationships with the tax collecting community. But what happens here is astounding. It's astounding. See, in that moment, Jesus stops in his tracks after hearing the Father speak to him, saying, I want that tax collector in your inner circle. That's so good. And Jesus comes to Levi and he says, Two words, two, two words. Follow me. What compelled Levi to leave everything behind? What was behind those two words? What was in the eyes of Jesus looking at Levi? See, I believe in that moment, Levi had an encounter with Jesus that changed from the inside out. Okay, as her eyes locked with time coming to a standstill. Levi felt a love that he'd never experienced before, ever. He experienced a love that looked past all the junk that was in his soul, all of it. See, it was a love that said, look, Levi, it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter how you behaved and how you treated people or what you've done or what you're doing now. None of that matters. That stuff does not define who you are. I love you. The Father loves you. And I define you, Levi. You know, he says the same thing to you. He says it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter the things you've done in your life or how you're behaving today. That doesn't matter. Jesus' love for you is unchanging. Okay, we believe the lie that says... I'm stuck in this sin. God, there's no way he could love me the way he loves everybody else. That's not true. That's a lie. He loves you regardless of what you've done in your life. And he says, I'm the one who defines you. Me. Not your stuff. Not your junk. Not your depression. None of that. Jesus defines you. 
And he says to all of you, as he said to Levi, you are blameless. You are pure. And you're without fault. See, it was like Levi knew and was fully aware of all the stuff. That, that, that Jesus was aware of all the stuff in his soul. And yet Levi felt loved all the more. That's Jesus. See, this tax collector was wrecked. He was wrecked. He was wrecked by the powerful encounter of the love of the Father through Jesus. And his life was changed forever. Forever. But the story doesn't end there. Okay, there's a part two. And this is where I want us to get going this morning, where we're going to land. See, Levi was wrecked, and he was so wrecked that he said, there's no way I can let my tax buddies not experience this. There's no way. They have no idea what they're missing. Money money is one thing. (laughs) Money is one thing, but this love encounter will change my tax buddies forever. You know what I'm going to do? They need to meet Jesus, so I'm going to throw the biggest party ever. That's what Matthew does. He throws a party. Okay, you see, when Jesus looks into your eyes, your life has changed forever. And do you know that you are his eyes to other people? When Jesus looks into your eyes, your life has changed forever. And you are his eyes to other people. This is what happened to Levi. He was so wrecked by the love of the Father through Jesus that he wanted everyone around him to experience that same love. Everybody. Everybody. See, everyone needs an encounter with the Father. Everybody. Everyone in here without exception. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be the mayor. You could be a mom or a dad or or a son or a daughter. You could be someone who's on your way to jail or someone who's coming out of jail. Everybody needs a love encounter with Jesus. Everyone, without exception. doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus loves you. So, what did Levi do? Luke says that the very next thing he did was he held a great banquet. In other words, a big party. Okay? Levi threw a huge party. And look who came to this party. Tax collectors. More tax collectors. And friends of Levi's and Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Are you guys doing okay? Okay. All right. I know you're getting wrecked. That's good. So Levi must have been someone known in the community who knew how to throw big parties. Why? Because everybody came. There was such a loud, it says there was a loud, large crowd of tax collectors and friends who came to this party. And here's, here's the thing. Levi didn't throw this party for himself. He threw it for Jesus. It says that in in Luke. He threw it for Jesus. Why? I think because Levi was so compelled by the encounter that he had with Jesus a few hours earlier. And as Ernie McManus says so well, Levi understood that he was an intersection between everyone he knew that would never be open to God And the God who is open to everyone. Let me say that again. Levi understood that he was an intersection. He was the point between all these people who he knew who would never be open to God and and, and God who was open to everyone. 
And Levi was the one bringing them together. You guys have probably heard the term wedding crashers or party crashers, right? Yes? Yes? Okay, good. So that's not just a modern-day thing, okay? It happened back then, too. We call them Pharisees, okay? They were, they were the party crashers, okay? These guys, these guys were the guys who sucked the joy out of life. Seriously. They're like the modern-day religiosity that sucks the joy out of life. Pharisees. And here they are again, and they complain yet again, and they ask the disciples, what is Jesus doing hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? Come on! What's happening? And Jesus answers them and says, hey, hold on a sec. You guys don't actually get it. This is exactly what I want here. Okay? Look what happened to Levi. He had an encounter with the love of the Father this afternoon, and he was so wrecked by that love that he had to tell all his tax collectors, friends, and all his buddies, everyone he had influence over, and he invited them over for a big party for me, and now we're all meeting each other. And friends, this is exactly what Jesus wants from every one of us as well. Just like Levi, he wants us to open up our lives so everyone knows the life that we have been given through Jesus. The love encounter that you've had with the Father is something that needs to be shared with everybody around you. Everyone. Everyone in your sphere of influence. Jesus wants you to throw a party. Throw multiple parties. That's okay. You can throw parties. And invite Jesus to the party. Okay, you and I need to be really good at throwing parties. Okay, if that's the only thing you hear today, you and I need to be good at throwing parties with Jesus, okay? So who do you need to open up your circle to? Who, who are the people in your life who need Jesus? They could be the people you live beside. They, they could be your neighbors. They, they could be co-workers or, or the man standing at the corner begging for money. It could be a classmate it could be your family. Now, what do all these people have in common? They're lost and in need of a doctor. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. And they've never known a love encounter or had a love encounter with the Father. They don't know that there's a God out there who loves them for who they are. That's full of grace and mercy. And loves them. And loves them and gives them life and hope and purpose. They don't know. They need you to open yourself up to them and just be their friend. Be that person that they can lean on and then let them meet Jesus through you. Now, it's possible you might be thinking right now, yeah, you know, Nate, you're a pastor. You know, you're... It's easy for you to say you're a former missionary. You like to talk to people. Or you may be saying something like, yeah, I, I just have a hard time coming up with, with questions or things to say or whatever. But you know what? It doesn't matter to Jesus if you're an introvert or an extrovert 
or if you're a missionary or a businessman or businesswoman or if you have the gift of evangelism or the gift of hospitality, it doesn't matter. Or if you're a plumber or you're in oil and gas. Believe it or not, those who know Jesus are all in full-time ministry. Huh? Yeah. Every single one of you, when you met Jesus, you started the first day of your full-time ministry. No option. Full-time ministry. Love people. Love people. It's not hard. Get wrecked by the Father's love and express that love and pour it out on all those who don't know Jesus. It's not hard. Have parties. Get invited to parties. Be around people who don't know Jesus. Some time ago, um, a pastor and author, Tony Campolo, had flown into Honolulu at one night, and he was unable to sleep. And so he ventured into an all-night diner, you know, probably something like Denny's. If you don't like Denny's, sorry. That's probably where he went. He overheard a group of prostitutes talking, okay? And one mentioned to her friends that the next day was her, was her 39th birthday. And another replied scornfully, well, what do you want, a birthday party? She retreated into her defense, defensive shell and said, well, I've never had a party in my life. Why should I expect one now? It struck Campolo. That would be a good idea to, to, to conspire with the owner of the diner and throw a surprise party for this prostitute, for this lady. So a cake was baked and all was prepared and the cries of happy birthday from her small group of friends and, and this stranger left her stunned. She was shocked that anyone would go through this amount of effort just for her. And so she asked if she could take the, the cake home and she left with her prize. And then when she left, just before she left, Campolo offered to pray and prayed for her salvation. Yes. And for her life to change. And for God to just pour his love on her. That prayer startled the owner who, who asked antagonistically, well, hold on, what, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? Hear this. He responded that he belonged to a church that threw birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> okay? The owner looked at me and said, no, you don't. There isn't a church that exists that does that. What? There's no church that exists like that. Because if there was, I'd join that. That's what he said. Friends, this is what Jesus does. Okay? He throws parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. There are people all around you and all around me who are lonely and desperate and hurting in their souls and in so much need of someone to just love them. And belong in community where they just have a sense of belonging. And you are the ones who have those answers. You guys. Now Jesus, <clears throat> as he does, he mentions that we may come up against resistance as we invite people to parties or to church. And he wants us to let us know that. So I want to show you that too. So Luke chapter 14, just a few pages over. Let's go there, remaining time. Believe it or not, we're talking about another party. Okay? Verse 16 of chapter 14. Jesus replied, 
a certain man was preparing a great banquet, a party, and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything's now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I'm in real estate, right? I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five oxen, or five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. I just bought a boat, whatever. Please excuse me. Still another said, and this is the funniest one, I just got married, so I can't come, right? You guys figure that one out, okay? <laughs> Friends, Jesus is reminding you and I that there will always be excuses for people of why they can't come to church or why they can't come to your party. They had excuses back then, and we have excuses today. Anytime God's in the picture, there's excuses. But let's keep reading. Verse 21. The servant came back and reported this all to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Those who would say yes, I might add. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Okay. Then the master told the servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. So my house will be full. Guys, this is awesome. Okay. What happened here? So these guys went out for their master and invited all these people to his party. And they all said no. So they come back and report that to the master. And the master says, go back out. Go find people who will say yes. In other words, there are people in your influence and mine who are begging for you to invite them to your party. And they go out, and they go out to the streets, and they ask these people, will you want to come to a party? Yeah, awesome. So they come to the party, and he goes back to his master, and he says, okay, what we've done is, is done, but there's still room in the house. So the master says, go back out. Go back out. Go into the streets. Go to Boston Pizza. Go to OJ's. Go to the bar. Go to, to the pub. Go to the pool hall. Don't shake your head. It's true. That's where they are. That's where they are. And compel them to come to my house. Compel them to come in. Compel them. Do whatever it takes for you to win the love of Jesus in their life. Do whatever it takes. See, compelling people, friends, is not forcing Jesus down their throats. You don't compel people by condemning people. You don't compel people by judging people and looking down your nose at their behavior. That's not compelling. You compel people to Jesus by loving them the way he loves you, right? You compel people by living a life that, that is so incredibly full that they're like, what is it about you that gives you so much life? What is it? Hope compels. The love of Jesus compels. The joy of Jesus compels. Being excited to live fully alive compels. It's being so wrecked by the Father's love for you that you can't help but go and encourage people. It's being so wrecked by the Father's love that, that when you see, they, they see something different about you because you're full of hope. 
because you're excited to live. You speak hope into their circumstance. You, you speak peace into their storms of life. You speak joy into their sadness. And when people only see dark tunnels, you see the light. And then they say, what is it about you that's so compelling? What is it? I think it's time that we start becoming a party people. It's time that we start changing our, our reputation from a view out there that says, hey, this faith that we walk in is, is sad, and it's mundane, and it's boring, and, 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 and dry, and too serious. I've actually heard every one of those. I mean to be people in this city who are fully alive, People known who celebrate and are full of joy and laughter. And that we have the solutions for the problems in people's lives because we know Jesus. Worship team, you guys can come up. How, how is it possible? How is it possible that we can get so amped up and, and crazy about a hockey game or, or a football game or going to a concert? We get excited. And then when we come to church, we get stiff. We, we get quiet and we're, we feel held back for whatever reason. And maybe it's because we're, we're nervous about other people observing us and we, we just don't want to look weird. Friends, I want to tell you something. When you are wrecked by the Father's love, you don't care what people think about you. Because the Father's love compels you to do crazy and wild things for Jesus. See, when you and I come together each week here in this building, we come to a party. That's what this is. Okay, we, we celebrate life together and joy together that we have in Jesus. <laughs> it's celebrating the reality that you and I are gathered together in His presence. That is so good. See, this is why we sing and why we worship and why we clap and why we cheer. Because we're so full of life. That's why. That's what Jesus has done. Jesus said, compel people to come. Compel people to come. Win them over with my love so my house will be full. Full. You and I should never be satisfied that there's empty chairs in this building. Because an empty chair here means there's a lost soul out there. It's cosmic treason to see empty chairs in this place. It's not right. Invite people to the party. It's time to change this reality. See, there are people around you who need the Father's embrace. There are people around you who just need to get wrecked by the Father's love. And there's people around you who need to be invited to the party. Whether it's at your house or this house. I'd just like to take a few moments here as we finish up. Just ask you a couple questions. 
And if you don't mind, will you just bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to have a reflecting moment here. To all of you. <clears throat> maybe, maybe you are here this morning and, and you've never experienced this kind of love before. And you didn't know that Jesus was a source of life and love for you. And maybe you didn't know that Jesus could change your life forever. Friends, this is why we threw a party today. So you and Jesus could meet for the first time. See, Jesus loves you. He, he died on the cross for you and he, raised from, he rose from the dead for you and he's fully alive. And he not only set you, set you free from all that negative stuff in your life, but he sets you free so you can enjoy the beautiful things in life too. See, he replaces your despair with hope and your fear with courage and your loneliness and isolation with eternal connection with the Father, the creator of the universe. Now, if you want to meet Jesus today, if you want to meet him for the first time, then just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, all of you, just pray this prayer after me. Really short. Jesus, I give you my life. Come into my life. Wreck me with your love. I know there are many more conversations that, that you and I need to have, but thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life today. Amen. Now just keep your eyes closed, friends, and, and I don't want to embarrass anybody in here, uh, but if that was you, if you met Jesus for the first time, uh, I just, I want to know. So if you just would raise your hand and look at me, or maybe raise your hand, I just want to pray for you. Is there anybody in here? your love. Praise you, Jesus. You are so good. Wreck them right now with your love. Now I want to ask one more thing from the rest of you in here. If you are a Christ follower this morning and, and you want to be wrecked by the Father's love, maybe you've been wrecked before, but for some reason that love's faded in your life. And you're someone here who wants to embrace that love in a new way and, and open yourself up to the lives of people around you that you haven't before. And you want to use the influence you have with people to create parties where other people can come and meet Jesus for the first time. If that's you, if you want to be wrecked today by the Father's love, and you want to make a commitment that you want to pour that love out on other people and make room in your life for others, then I'm going to ask you to stand. Stand right now. Anybody. Those who aren't ready, don't stand. 
I'm just going to pray over you right now. Oh, God, you are so good. Lord, you've been wrecking us all morning with your love. And, and there's people here standing who want to experience you in ways they've never experienced your love before. So come, Father, right now and pour your love over all these people. In ways they've never experienced before. And wreck them. Wreck them. Pour your love upon them, Lord. And God, make ways in their life to meet people who don't know you. Lord, the commitment they're making today, would you honor and would you bring people in their life who don't know you and that they meet Jesus through them. Yes, Lord. Lord, would you give them boldness that is unashamed of you and is unashamed of people. And they would take risks for you. Fill them up right now, Jesus. Fill them with that boldness and that love right now. Fill them with joy and make them fully alive in you. Fully alive. Bring a smile to their face right now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jesus.